Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wayward Dragons. I'm Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. And welcome back. For those of you joining us for the first time, uh, we're just two nerdy friends who've known each other for nearly a decade now and uh, with a shared interest in random nerdy shit and uh, the occults. And some yeah. of the random nerdy shit is stuff that. You know, one of us is familiar with and the other one isn't. <laughs> and yeah. you know, we figured we'd take an opportunity to, uh, you know, as we're exploring and learning more about the occult and creepy things and cults and all that weird fun stuff, uh, strange creatures yeah. that go, may or may not go bump in the night, we figured we'd take the time to uh, share that information with each and every one of you. Yeah, because we can't be the only people wanting to know this stuff. No, just leave it at that. We can't be the only people. Yeah, we just, we can't be the only people of it. It's, that's, you know, there have to be other people out there. <laughs> There's other people, right? <laughs> there, there has to be. <laughs> oh. So how have you been? I have been swamped at work. Uh... The past three weeks at work have been utter chaos, to say the least. A uh, combination of that and the past two weeks, I've been dying from allergies. Oh, uh, there's, they're starting up here. I feel your pain. Yeah, I've... Oh, so if, I, so if I sound overly nasally or if I mute myself for periods of time, that's why. Because I'm dying and I don't want you or anyone else to hear me slowly dying I feel that what about you how have you been I've been good we had a great time out in the desert um came back last Saturday and then went back to work so that was fun um but yeah gonna start planning a wedding here in a couple months so that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting news. Yeah, because you're my officiant, so that makes it even better. <laughs> now, when, when you have that one friend who's an ordained minister, <laughs> it's like, hey, bud. Hey. Hey. You're like my best friend. You're going to be invited to this anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I need you to do a job, though, first. <laughs> <laughs> and it like I was talking to my mom about this like it, it's hard being I guess pagan or non-religious in a way to find someone to be your officiant at your wedding because a lot of times you have to join the church and you gotta do all this crap and it's just like I I want to have a wedding that's not at the courthouse to marry this person that's my person. Right. Like, so, yeah. And um, for those of you who have joined us, like, recently, my grandma passed in last August. She was a huge part of my life. She was, like, a mom to me. Um, so going through getting engaged and now planning a wedding is extremely hard because she's not here. So tons of emotions that I don't like having. 
But yeah. So what have you been reading? So unfortunately, I've only had time for one book. <laughs> over the you make it years. sound like it's such a disappointment when you read only one it, book. It is a disappointment for me <laughs> because you know, my goal is to, uh, it's at least one book a week. And it's been, yeah. you know, we do re-record every other week. So yes, yeah. it is a disappointment when I'm only able to do one book. <laughs> That being uh-huh. said, the one book I <laughs> did read was uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, uh, which is, I'd say, a staple thing for people to read. Uh, it's a in-depth dive into the psyche and to the uh, archetypes that uh, Carl Jung talks about Uh as far as in storytelling uh and it's a delve into the archetypal ideology and archetypal storyline that everything mirrors in some way shape or form uh going back to you know all the way back to ancient mythologies to more current things uh no i meant Literally, like Percy Jackson, Twilight. Uh, I'm surprised <laughs> you said Twilight. Listen, I, it, <laughs> honestly though, honestly though, as much as you may despise a book series, it all follows a similar archetypal process. There are certain things mm-hmm. in place. Uh, granted, there are other ways of circumventing that, or other ways of telling a story. It or different ways of telling a story within that ideology but everything falls into that particular storyline uh that's why so many things seem similar to so many other things and that's why you know so many things on high fantasy copy the tolkien model yep uh which is irritating yeah what about you what have you been reading the only book i managed to read is what i used as a major source for this episode so i read i'm almost done with um cults that kill by wendy joanne bimblico i she's got a really long last name but uh it if you're into cults like i am um it's extremely graphic so if you do not have a strong stomach I would not recommend reading cults that kill. Um, she does go into some graphic detail of like the ant hill kids. I'm not going to describe what they, what he did to those people. He did some horrific things to those people. Um, but she does go into detail like of um, Jim Jones and Jonestown um, and the suicide and all that. So that's the main source for what we're going to talk about. And I read it on the uh, airplane and I swear everybody around me instantly got quiet, stuck their arms in. <laughs> it was like, okay, did, uh, around this crazy white lady. Like, <laughs> did they mention anything about uh, the heaven's gate? Uh, yeah. Cult? I'm not there yet in that. Okay. Um, Cause I kind of stopped after I read. Um, Cause today we're going to talk about, the vampire clan. Yeah. Whew. So speaking, I wrote, 
Huh? So speaking of vampires. Yes. I actually Yes, just, you went and saw that movie. I actually just got back from watching Morbius, uh, humorously and ironically enough. <laughs> uh, How'd that? How was that? So was that good? there there's many reasons why I don't listen to critics, like film critics. Um, yeah. Most of which is that, you know, most of them are wealthy white dudes. Yeah. Uh, and the majority of which are heterosexual, wealthy white dudes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I don't see any way a heterosexual, a heterosexual wealthy white man can tell me what is and is not a good movie. Yeah. I mean, no one should uh, tell you what is a good and bad movie. Right. Well, I mean, I I also I have guilty pleasures that I enjoy bad movies, but this was not oh, a bad yeah. movie. Uh, this was... I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it without spoilers, ties into existing franchises, both MCU and not very, very nicely. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I just think it's ironic that, you know, because we, we planned yeah. this ahead of time and they kept changing the date <laughs> of the freaking movie. And uh, it just happened to coincide with when we're recording this episode. <laughs> yeah, because we're recording later than normal, which. I'm sorry, I'm apologizing in advance to everybody. My fiance is not home to make sure the dog stays quiet. So, apologizing in advance. He is working late today. So, Oreo's just a big baby that needs extra loving. He does. He was glued to uh, <laughs> Zach's like face when we got home. Like, he just was like, oh, dad's home. And like, I have the cats. Like, Apollo won't stop following me. So, he's behind me playing with a uh, flower petal. Because <laughs> my mom, my mom is, he watched Oreo while we were um, on our vacation and, and stuff like that. So, she, to celebrate our engagement, she brought us, bought us flowers and stuff. But the flowers are dying. Petals are falling off. Cat. <laughs> so no that's fair i'm sorry there's a lot of dog barking little cat little footies but we will get into today's episode so i'm gonna warn everybody before we get into this yes we are going to be talking about true crime yes we are going to be talking about a cult um Sorry, he ran into the wall. <laughs> I just heard like a smack. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry, my cat just ran into the wall. <laughs> no worries. I love him so much. I love him so much, I promise. He's so cute and he's so loving. Um, but this is true crime, so we're going to be talking about a lot of triggering things. We're going to be discussing what the difference between a cult and a sect is, um, and what cult leaders 
their um, qualities that they have as a person and stuff like that. So if you do not like listening to true crime, that blood, um, I'm not going to be going too into what he actually does to these people. We're going to kind of glance over that so we won't go too into depth of actual violence that happens. But we're going to be talking about a lot of triggering things. So if it's triggering for you, skip to the next one. So we're going to be talking about the vampire cult. This happened in the late, mid to late 90s. Um, so to begin, we're going to define what exactly is a cult. A cult is defined as a groups of people who have joined together for an ideological cause such as religion, politics, science, um, fiction, and self-improvement. Um and are under the total control of a charismatic leader to whom they are completely, and I mean completely, devoted to. The cult so, beliefs... So, technically... So, technically, by that definition, <coughs> and if we have any Catholic or Christian listeners out there, don't take this offensively, uh, but technically, by definition, Catholics can be considered a cult. Yes, Yes, and we will get into the difference between all those because there's a difference between like Christianity as the whole and then each separate one is considered a sect. That It gets a little weird, it gets a little complicated, but yeah. Yeah, it got a little weird. Um, the cult beliefs become all-consuming and they usually isolate themselves. Just like normal manipulation tactics with a abusive relationship, this is an abusive relationship, just in a different form than I guess everyone's kind of used to seeing. Um, there's no one that can interfere with their belief system, so no matter what, you cannot talk them out of this. Good luck. They'll probably, like cut you off if you try to like suggest leaving or therapy or something um the followers can't question leader if they don't have outside influence which is one of the reasons why they isolate they go out in the middle of nowhere jim jones went to africa or south america wherever he went to africa um and whatnot jim jones was south america i believe it was argentina it was like guava, guana or something. Okay, um, but it was South America. Yeah, it's somewhere. Jim Jones. Everyone does episodes of Jim Jones. If you need to listen about Jim Jones, Case File. Casey does an amazing like five, six part thing. Go listen to him. Also, um, uh, Time Suck with Dan Cumming does a really good Jim Jones episode. Mm-hmm. Their their graphic, just letting y'all know. Do not don't look at go, do not go look at the pictures. Don't Google it. Nothing. Those are horrid, horrid pictures. Don't do it. Um, 
But these people that run these cults, they usually come looking for you. They target people that are lonely or those who are down in their luck. They have very specific tactics for this. An example of this is they will send people to uh, university register offices and befriend people that have dropped out of class or people who are leaving school counseling centers. So they see them as like they target these weak people. Kind of. Um they can also recruit people through their business. And I'm going to give a huge example. A lot of people probably in North America, specifically in the U.S., probably does not know this is a cult. But the 12 tribes, they run a lot of bakeries across the U.S. And not a lot of people know that those bakeries that make that good food <laughs> are a cult that abuse children and have anti-Semitic views. So by having this good food and having this wonderful bakery, you mysteriously forget about all the horrific things that they've done. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like Chick-fil-A, you know. People mm-hmm. will often forget how horrible of a company they are. Yep. Yep. There's other places to get chicken. Um... They will stake out your chicken. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I will say in the desert has some great Mexican food. Just so good. I love tacos. Sorry. Well, I mean, how close you were to Mexico. Yeah. You're literally like a stone. You were a stone thrower from Mexico. So. Oh, yeah. Um, They will also stake out yoga classes and church functions. Sometimes they may contact you through a family member. So a family member is already in the cult and they'll use that family member to um, get to you, if that makes sense. Um, But just like any manipulative relationship, once they've made contact, they will love bomb you into joining so they'll show you how great everything is and look at this and look at that. Um, and then what the fuck are you drinking? <laughs> I just saw you drink straight out of a bottle. Smeed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, I just like, for it's those of you who don't know, we, uh, we record through a, a program called Squadcast, so we can see each other. You can't see us, but we can see each other. Um, but glanced over, and you just had a full bottle of something. Um, but after they do the love bombing, then they start the brainwashing. So they get you in, and now they're going to draw you in. Um. They will basically torture you, and this includes very long group meetings. Jim Jones did this. Um, sleep deprivation. Um, they isolate you, and they control every single part of your daily life. This is so they can break you down mentally, so that they, so that all you will think about is the group and the goals of the group. Um, they tend not to recruit people in low-income areas. Um, professors in Colts to Kill, it's a whole bunch of, like, professors that she interviews and stuff, um, 
They think this is because people who tend to live in low-income areas tend to be more street smart um, than those who live in upper to middle-class areas. Um, they tend to smell when someone is trying to take their lunch money from them, basically, um, in those low-income areas. So they can kind of fish out that con man kind of thing. Um, but the there is one person that went into low-income areas, and that was Jim Jones. But you have to think of the time that Jim Jones was in. He was in the civil rights area um, era. Um, so he was promising an equal society in the time of the civil rights. So it kind of makes sense to go into these low-income poor black neighborhoods to offer a equal society in a time when they're not really being treated as equal. So um, people in upper to middle class areas tend to have their guard down. They're not as street smart, so they're a little bit more trusting. Um, and these people tend to look for answers in everyday things. They're super lonely. Um, there, she gives an example of this, um, of Ian Haysworth. He is current at the time of the writing of the book. He was the director of the United Kingdom's cult information center. Um, he said that his introduction to PCI mind development Institute happened when he was approached in Toronto and was asked to fill out a survey. PCI was a large um, group awareness training program that promised to teach him how to excel at personal, professional relationships through better communication, confidence, as well as increased creativity and productivity. He was introduced to the group very quick, which led him to take a four-day course on how to quit smoking, which then led him to quit his job and give them all of his money. It happens quick. Um, it that it is the myth that they go after low intelligence people. Um, they do in fact go in after high intelligence people as they are easier to break down. There's no con man sense, if that makes any sense. Um, because they're they're vulnerable people and they're not familiar with cult tactics. Um, the myth that only dumb college students join is also a myth. Um, Leah, Leah, I don't really know how to pronounce her name. Um, L-A-L-I-C-H. Not real sure. Um, but she runs um, another. Me? I mean, I don't Are know. Are you asking me for help? Okay. Cause like, <laughs> look at your face, you're just like, I don't know. Leah, what was it again? Leah? L A L I C H. L A L I C H. Yeah. Lalich. She doesn't give her a last name either. So I don't know. I would say Lalich. Um, she runs a cult research information center, and she gets honestly more calls from spouses and children who are worried about their parents. Um. And that people in their 30s to 40s with money tend to contribute to a cult um, are more desirable than, you know, your free-spirited college dropout who just wants to be the hippie. Um, she also thinks that cults are given, are getting more savvy um, in a lot of ways by creating a front group for people to donate to. So, like, the 12 tribes, you go to the bakery 
that's not a name associated with them. You don't realize that the cult is the one that's behind the bakery. You buy stuff in the bakery that in turn funds the cult. So, but cults have existed for a very long time. This isn't something new. They've just changed over time. Um, but they tend to latch, and you always get this, they, they latch onto that apocalyptic, like, the world is ending type thing. You see a lot of that. Um, but they also latch onto a lot of other stuff, like gun control, um, and all, like, other problems. Um, can I help you? No, you're not climbing into my lap. Um, so what exactly makes a cult leader? There are three characteristics that she describes in the book. Um, cult leaders are self-anointed, persuasive people who claim to have a special mission in life or have special knowledge. A lot of groups will say that, you know, God gave me the message and the world's ending some random day. That UFO cult that they all died on some random day. Was that Heaven's Gate? Yep. Where he like he laced their pudding and they all put yep. bags over their heads. Well, it was pudding and applesauce. Yes. Yeah, it was pudding and applesauce. They had yeah. uh, like a black tracksuit on, some fresh out of the box Nikes. They were gonna go out yeah. in style. Yeah, it's they so creepy. Like, they also had like five dollars and seventy-five cents in their pocket, like every single one of them. Yeah, it's so weird. They um, actually there's actually members that are still alive that like stayed behind. They didn't go to join the spaceship to uh uh help run the website and stuff like that and to like keep trying to spread the good word. Oh God! Who, oh yeah, no, people that's, are that's insane. <laughs> well, it's like... they actually they they developed a web company like to manage websites and stuff and uh, tech needs, and that's how they ended up making their money towards the end. And uh, they actually had like uh, Christian bookstores and stuff as their clients. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's good. I might do one eventually on them. Maybe eventually. Um, but cult letters tend to be determined and domineering and are often described as charismatic. Think of your abusive partner that you got away from. Uh, they will have a lot of these characteristics. Um, and they tend to center on themselves. Everything revolves around them. Um, they tend to express a living, a goal of living in a better world. Think Jim Jones, utopia, everyone's equal. Um, but they're actually driven by the most three common things, why people commit murder in the first place, by money, sex, and power. They tend to be men that lead these cults, but there are some women, Bonnie Lou Needles, who co-founded Heaven's Gate and um, Lois Roden, who is known to have groomed David um, Korhesh, who led the Branch Davians. People, the professors in this book, they also say that when there's a huge change in society, like now, 
um, that cult leaders are waiting in the wings to prey upon the vulnerable to find new recruits. Um, so like the major political shift in the 1960s, the Vietnam War and the counterculture attitude provided a ripe breeding ground for spiritual cults with roots in the East. So you see all that weird, like, um, <coughs> the counter culture revolution. Yeah. A yeah. lot of so stuff came by, out of that. So by your definition and by the description of a cult mm-hmm. and Yes, we typically, for our listeners, we typically attempt to stay away from political things on here. Yeah. But would you consider, by this definition, QAnon a cult? What's QAnon? I don't. I don't listen to the news. So QAnon <laughs> is an organization that uh, allegedly gets their information about things that are going on and like secret information held by the Illuminati and by the corporate elite who are supposedly doing all these evil things like sacrificing children to Satan. And uh, this person like on a Reddit, I think it was Reddit originally, they just went by Q and they released like this information. This is where like Pizzagate came from and all these other conspiracies uh, involved in the government. And uh, people wholeheartedly believe that all this is true. And it's like, a, like you could do a deep dive into this. Like these people are, oh boy, they are out there. And they, uh, they, they feel that former U.S. President Donald Trump was an informant for Q and would give them secret information to them and that basically he was their leader and that they he gave them secret information on what was really going on and what should happen and how they should act what yes like like i this is one of this is this is i don't because i don't know this I don't know what this is. I will say this. People like to grasp at straws. And people like to connect things that are not necessarily connected. You make them connect in your little lizard brain. So it Uh, may not be connected. But you're putting all the dots together and it may not go together. Most of them also believe in reptilians. Ah, okay. So, well, I mean, so I wouldn't. So I wouldn't say lizard brain because you know. <laughs> you get what I mean. <laughs> like uh, yes, but <laughs> to you know, not get too far off on the side quest. Uh, if you are not aware of who they are, and not to get too political here, if you are not aware of who they are, I suggest looking into them, and like really looking into what they believe and where they're getting the information from. I think they very much fit the, uh, cult precursor. Yeah. Yeah. That the pre-established <laughs> definition of a cult. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of groups out there that you could define as a cult nowadays. Jared Leto in 30 seconds to Mars for sure. 
That is a cult now. It wasn't before, but it is now. Well, he even said that they're a cult. Yeah. Like he also plays a really good vampire. He does. He does. Because that's that's who plays Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's who played Morbius. And let me tell you. Yeah. I was very pleased. I'm a huge Jared Leto fan. I know he's weird. He's a handsome man. Don't care. And it's funny. So I have a cousin that we are five years and like one week apart. My birthday's first and then his is after mine. My aunt only named him Jared because she was pregnant with him when he was on a soap opera. And that's what she watched when she was pregnant. Jared Leto was on a soap opera? Yeah, he's on like like a soap opera like TV show. Yeah. It was like Oh, was it on? I didn't know that. Yeah. Give me a second. Where's international? Maybe database. Yeah, he was in some show. Yeah, he's being very vocal today. I was laying down while you were like at your movie and stuff. Because it was, God, it was so long ago. He was born, I forget what show he was in, but he was on some TV show back in the day. Might have been my so-called life. I don't remember, but that's why my cousin's name is Jared. (laughs) Ironically, he's very much a hippie. He's my little hippie, little hippie cousin. Back to my... Extremely long story here. So, like, in the 1970s, cults um, turned towards Christianity. In the 1980s, they centered around um, financial prosperity. Um, They tend to center around self-improvement. That's, like, the main thing is (laughs) improving yourself. Whether that's through, like, religion, um finances or whatever um this and this is what i find interesting business improvement and leadership seminars are so engraved in our society that people often don't know that large group awareness trainings might have cult ties um maya Um, She worked on a cult case where an entire company was sending people to these trainings. This company ended up modeling their company after the whole training thing that they went through and didn't even know it, that they were like modeling their whole company after a cult. They used the same um, language technique. They ostracized people um, and they had emotional sharing, like, I don't know if they would sit in a circle and like share their feelings, but like that's kind of what happened, which is very inappropriate in a workplace, kind of regardless of where you work at. I um, mean, I, you know, I get the maintenance guys. I go out to the maintenance shop all the time and we just sit around and sing Kumbaya and hold hands. <laughs> I can't Sometimes see I get the shipping guys in there too, but <laughs> like hanging out with the maintenance guys. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just see you guys in a closet. <laughs> I, with like little ukuleles. Sorry. We we um, have a very interesting maintenance staff. We don't do that, but I'm just, just <laughs> <laughs> side note, they are rather interesting. I mean I don't know our maintenance guys, because I work at a weird hour. Um but cults tend to be very destructive when they have isolated a group and they have an extremely powerful leader. If and this is a very key thing. If the leader has any kind of destructive or self-destructive tendencies, self-harm being an example, or they have, they've had suicidal thoughts in the past. And when they get, when that leader gets backed into a corner, they will start to show those tendencies and start being self-destructive. So that's where, like when Jim Jones got backed into that corner, the whole group committed mass. I will say murder slash suicide. And that's a big slash. Um, I found that kind of interesting. Um, so we'll get into cult versus sect. And then we should be getting into our story. Um, the Oxford Dictionary defines cult as a system of religious verbatim. Or ver... Yeah, religious fornication or devotion directed towards a particular figure or object. The second definition calls it called a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs of practices regarding by others as strange <laughs> or as imposing um, excessive control over members. A sect, however, is defined as a group of people with somewhat. Um, Fulfillment, um, religious beliefs, typically regarded as heretical, um, from those of a larger group to which they belong. So think about all the different types of Christianity as it's, as an example of a sect. Christianity is the main large group, and all the other ones are a sect. Um, Bayek? She goes into this, her uh, she has a book called Sect or Cult, What is Going Down in Texas. This is, is referring to Waco, Texas. There are many books about that. There are huge things. That's the Davids, um, Branch Davidsons. Um, that, whew, that's messed up. Um, but she explains in a healthy or legitimate religion or sect, you are presumably worshiping a higher principle or like some kind of higher being or authority type thing. Whereas a cult tend to worship a living person. If that makes a little bit more sense. On how to um, think of it. Um, but the word cult didn't really take hold until the 1970s. When you started to see all these groups come out. Like the Manson family and the children of God. And all them. Well, um, that's because at the at prior to that, cult was typically used as an academic term for a religious or theological group. And it entered mainstream media in the 
late 60s, early 70s, when all when everything started to get weird. Um, brief minor note about the U.S. Because um, we are based in the U.S. Um, many cults are actually registered as religious organizations. And those who do not live in the U.S., um, when you register as a religious organization, you do not pay taxes. <laughs> um, so some are registered as nonprofit charities, so they enjoy the freedom of religion under the First Amendment. Um, and because of how they are labeled, either as a nonprofit or as a registered religious organization, it is very hard for the court system here to take legal action against them if they are not outrighting committing crimes. So if they don't have like like hard evidence proof, it is very hard for them to go after them. Um, in the U.S., you could you could big could hire what is called um, a deprogrammer. Um, so a concerned family member would hire said deprogrammer to to essentially abduct the alleged cult member that was their family member and hold them indefinitely until their family members could convince them to come home. Um, the, the person who founded this program is a California native called Ted Patrick. Um, he came up with this controversial practice after his son was swept up by children of God. Um, and he has no formal mental health training. <laughs> Which I found kind of interesting. So, who needs formal training? Just wing it. Fuck it. So, what we're gonna get into today, and I'm sorry, everybody, this is gonna be a really long one because I felt that we need we needed to differentiate between all that. Um, in the first time I cover a cult. Um, so we are going to be going into Rod Farrell and the Vampire Clan. So most cults use the claim that they receive messages from either God or through alien encounters. There's a lot of UFO groups out there. Um, but the claim that vampires roam America slash the world has been around longer than we know. Um and we'll go into vampires in a totally separate episode. Just going to give a minor brush over. Um, most ancient societies feared some sort of blood-sucking demon creature. Um, the modern notion of vampire can be kind of traced back to the 10th century uh, Slavic regions of Europe. Um, but by the 9th century, tuberculosis, which at the time was known as consumption, killed one in seven people. It was easily spread through the air, which would not be discovered for a very long time, as we know. Um, but some New Englanders blamed vampires when the people around them would start showing signs of consumption. Um, a lot of concerned small members of society would take members into their own hands in hopes of curing their loved ones. So in some cases, they would dig up the person they thought was the vampire, flip them over in their coffin... And like put a stake through them. Um, in other cases, they would car carve their heart out and burn it, and then make like a tonic for the person that was ill. Um, 
The last suspected vampire in the U.S. was Marcy Lena Brown in 1892. She was 19 years old and she lived in Rhode Island. Um, I want to say that Lore does a really good episode on this. Um, if you kind of want to go listen to them. Um, Paul Barber writes in his book, Vampires, Burial, and Death, that vampiric practices were used throughout the world as a way for people to understand death, especially in an age when people did not have access to sophisticated medical knowledge and research. So it just made sense for these people to believe this. It just made sense. That's one of the things I'm finding about mythologies and stuff. And especially cryptids, it made something make sense. So the main characters in this story, we have five of them. Um, Roderick Farrell. I will be calling him Rod throughout the story. He is the main person in this. He was described as a pale, skinny, stringy-haired kid that dropped out of high school. He came from an extremely troubled family. His parents were teenagers when he was born in um, March of 1980. His dad joined the military, so he had an absent dad. His And he was raised by his mom. His mom is going to come up on a lot in this. It's just a warning. She's she caused a lot of problems. Um, they jump from public housing to staying with her parents. He didn't really have a set home. He would jump from Murray, Kentucky to Florida. He moved around a lot. Um, his mom was a known sex worker. Um, his He claims that he was raped by his maternal grandfather. So his mom's mom's dad um, at the age of five. No charges ever came of this and nothing ever happened. Um, he was known to have self-destructive be self behaviors. He would cut his arms. Um, he at one point carved a demonic symbol into his chest. Um, and he found community... Um, when he assumed the identity of a five year, 500 year old vampire. And we will get all into that. Um, his girlfriend ish, um, Heather Wondroff, she's the daughter of the people that get murdered. Um, she went to Florida high school where she would roam the halls in long black clothes with a Barbie. Hanging from her backpack by a noose. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's not creepy at all. No. No. Um, and she would go on to later to insist to her other boyfriends besides Rod's that the best sex you could ever have would would be um, after you drink blood. Um the two of them met in 1995 in Essex. Florida, which is about 30 miles north of Orlando. It's a very, it's kind of a small town with a population of 15,000 and it is known as America's hometown. They shared a uh, shared interest for the undead and they did date for a while. Um, but in December of 95, uh, Rod's mom would, would discover Rod and three other teens drinking blood in his room. Um, so she would, later move him back to her, her hometown of Murray, Kentucky. Uh, this is one of many moves that would happen between the two states for him. He was constantly back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but 
Rod and Heather would remain in touch the whole time he went um, back and forth. Um, at an Essex cemetery, uh, when Rod was 15, he would perform a crossing over ceremony on Heather, who at the time was 16. Um, in 96, Heather started to tell Rod that her parents were hurting her. So Rod decided to travel to Florida to pick Heather up and they would continue to Louisiana. Um, along the ride were his two other friends and the other members of his said clan. Um, Howard Scott Anderson, he was 16. Dana, Dana Cooper, who was 19. And um, Charity Kesey, who was 16. Um, Charity is also his other girlfriend. And I found... Because I kind of like read a couple articles while you were like watching your movie um, to kind of make sure that a lot of this stuff made sense. I, in the book, she's pregnant, but in the articles, it doesn't say. So, not real sure. So, how, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we get here? It's about to be super complicated, and this dude has some serious mommy issues. So, Rod first got introduced to vampires through the game called Vampire Masquerade. Um, his mother first introduced him to this game. It's, uh, it's a tabletop game that was released in 91. It is the first of several storyteller system games for its World of Darkness um, setting storyline. Um, it is a... It is set in a fictionalized goth punk version of the modern world where players assume the role of vampires who are referred to as kindred and deal with their night-to-night -night struggles against their own beastly natures, vampire hunters, and each other's. Um, his mom introduced him to this game. His mom's not the yeah. best. Um, yeah, but it is... So, a so the game itself, there's, is nothing, there's nothing about the game itself. The game itself is actually thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, but this kind of goes into being able to mitigate reality from fantasy. Yeah. Um, it's a D&D &D type game. For those of you who are not familiar with it, it is a D&D &D type game. Um, but Rod and his friends would spend a lot of time in cemeteries. They um, looked to the fictional and fringe real vampire culture that evolved out of the gunk gunk poth and goth culture in the 1970s i read that line in the book and i'm like how how did a goth person look in the 1970s that's like that's a serious question <coughs> i kind of have well so <laughs> cuz like you when i get think into the of, history of this like, when I think of goth, I think what I grew up with, with, like, the big baggy pants and the chains and, like, all that stuff. So, goth, it was originally a subsect of punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of the style was similar. They would typically link in fishnets and stuff yeah. like that into the fashion. Uh, but they would also take it and wear, like, just, like, because... So goth itself is such a wide term that is, you know, what you're referring to is more of like a baby goth or like a, yeah. you know, <laughs> 90s type yep. uh, goth <laughs> ideology. But goth and cyberpunk and all that 
really expands far beyond that. Uh, my suggestion <coughs> would be look up some bands like The Cure. Yes. Uh, Susie Sue and the Banshees. And you've got Susie Sue and the Banshees. You've got Bauhaus. Yeah. I mean, there's that that would oh, be my stuff. recommendation is uh you know late 70s early 80s uh you know goth uh also just pick up neil gaiman's sandman and start reading it mm-hmm. because yeah. you know a lot of the imagery in there is very much 1980s uh goth yeah because <laughs> you know Neil Gaiman was a 1980s goth. Yep. <laughs> um, real vampire, real vampire behavior can include a lot of things. Some examples of this would include wearing prosthetic fangs, um, sleeping in a coffin, consuming blood, only going out at night. It is believed the culture evolved from D and D. Um, and how popular culture portrays vampires, like Anne Rice's um, uh, interview with a vampire. Honestly, not one of the worst Tom Cruise movies. It's not a bad one. I actually kind of enjoyed Tom Cruise in that. Um, but I mean, this it's movie, not as good as Legend. No. Um, but for Tom, I hate Tom Cruise, for the record. Fucking hate that man. Um, Legend also has Tim Curry, so, you know. We love Tim Curry <laughs> here. <laughs> we love Tim Curry. Um, Tim Curry and um, Doug Jones. Um, but um, Interview for the Vampire came out around the same time that this murder happened. Keep that little nugget in the back of your mind. Um these real vampires differed from clinical vampires who believed they had a physical need to consume blood. Um, there might be a serial thrill for this for some people. Um, a sexual kind of thing. Um, is believed that the bonding in these activities bonded teens that were searching for identities and a way to bond socially. Um, it can give them an intimate, empowering experiences. There's also the sex appeal that came with being a vampire. You know, you're young and you're hot all the goddamn time. And you don't fucking age. Um, so Rod and his friends found this community through their local vampire culture, which he got introduced to by his mom. Um, it is believed that there are about 30 to 40 members who would engage in group sex Drugs, violent, ritualistic, cult-like behavior. Um, law enforcement, as well as the New York Vampire Research Center, they saw an increase in vampire-like behavior when Interview with a Vampire was released in theaters. It's a great movie. Um, I'm not always say that. Because, um, I mean, Brad Pitt as a vampire is kind of interesting. It is believed that this movie is what influenced Rod as he owned uh, $30 in late movie fees because Blockbuster was still around. We didn't have Netflix yet. 
Um, he was also caught surfing uh, vampire material at his local library. <laughs> I found this funny. He wanted to change his name to Lestat, which is the main character in Interview with the Vampire. Um, <laughs> I read that and giggled and I cleaned myself. Um, he would later boast that it was his charisma that helped him start his little vampire cult. Um, he also claimed that his own vampire thought his own grandfather thought he had the markings of a great spiritual leader and, um, even became an active member in the Murray's Murray, Kentucky's, uh, vampire scene, a frequent hangout for the group. What, which they called the vampire hotel was a basically abandoned luxury hotel. Um, like anything that's abandoned, there's, Occult symbol sprayed, painted everywhere. There's litter everywhere. Um, but they would go to this place to drink blood, perform rituals, and have sex by candlelight. Because that's what you want to do in an abandoned building. That's disgusting. Um, his mother... Uh, it sounds romantic. It sounds so romantic. It's what you want to do on a fucking Saturday night. Go have sex in a sketchy abandoned hotel when I might get stuck with a needle. Um, get hepatitis C or some shit. Um... His mom um, was also known to come to this place. Let's take that with a grain of salt. Um, Rod officially became a vampire with the help of his friend Stephen Jade, Jaden Murray. Um, in a crossing over ceremony, this is where they would drink each other's blood in a cemetery at a grave at night. <clears throat> Stephen even gave Rod the vampire name Viscaro. Rod and Howard um, were also part of a Victorian age masquerade performance society or also called vamps. Um, it kind of sounds like it's like a LARP, but with vampires. If that makes sense. Well, I mean, you could do vampire LARPs. It's not unheard of. Like, that's kind of like what I kind of found. Um, it was founded by James... Yoli, Yohi, um, in 1995, um, Yolo. I will say these, Yulo, Yohi, Yo-Yo, I don't Yolo. know. James Lolo, Yolo. <laughs> Y-O-H-E. <laughs> Yohi? I don't know. Yohi? Um, Yohi? put a damper on that because Rod and his friends were part of this group. So they kind of blamed him for a lot of things, but just like everything you kind of need a scapegoat. They don't want to blame society. So they'll blame this guy with this vamp group. But honestly, kind of what I could gather, it was just kind of like a LARP type thing. Those who don't know it's LARP is live action role playing. So if you see a whole bunch of nerdy kids in like a soccer field running at each other with foam weapons, that's a LARP. <laughs> and if you've watched the if you've watched the Hawkeye series on mm -hmm. Disney Plus, uh, you know Hawkeye LARPs, and it's yeah probably my favorite episode from that whole series. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, yeah. So where I live, um, I drive by a big park on my way home 
I can't tell you how many times I've driven by that park and I see people LARPing. And it makes my heart so happy because I am not in a, I'm not in a huge city, but I mean, relatively populated. And when you're in an upper class kind of area and you're like, really? All right. Like, thought we didn't do this here. I mean, have you but ever done you. it? No, I have not. It's, it's competitive. It is competitive. Oh, yeah. Um, my ex's stepsister, that's how she met her husband. Was that a LARP? Yeah. And they had like a, um, we didn't go to their wedding, but they had like a, like a LARP, like fencing thing that you could do. It was really cool. They were really into it. Um, so how did, how did him becoming a part of this vampire culture get to him murdering people? So, Rod, this isn't his first time um, with the police. Um, the summer leading up to the murders, his mother, Sandra, um, she had turned to Kentucky's social services for help. She needed to bring Rod back to reality. He could not differentiate the games, like the masquerade things that he was playing. He couldn't differentiate that from his actual reality. Um, he had dropped out of high school. He was self-harming and he was using some major hard drugs. I'm talking like heroin, meth, coke, all of them. You know, we're not normal teenagers and just smoking weed in the bathroom. Um, she told the social workers that she had in fact seen Rod and his girlfriend drinking blood and that Rod believed that he was possessed. Um, but like I've said before, Sandra isn't completely innocent in this either. She herself practiced um, Satanism, which I will say now, if you want to practice that, that is fine. However, her behavior is what is bad. Um, she was also trying to actively seduce boys that were her son's age. Her son was 15 and she was well into her 30s. Um, she also believed that demons had taken up her second floor apartment and they were just living up there like nobody's business. Um, were they nice demons? I don't know. Like if she was just like into Satanism and like just believe the demons were upstairs. All right, fine. You're, you don't sound like a bad human. You might have, you might be living in a horrible haunted house. However, you're actively just trying to seduce boys that are your son's age and you're okay with him being a part of a vampire cult that you introduced him to? All right. We got some weird lines. <laughs> um, so in October, Rod and another teen broke into Murray Callaway County Animal Shelter. Um, once they got inside, they tortured and killed two puppies and they beat another 50 dogs. Um, at the time of the murders, police police were actually about to arrest him for animal cruelty. And those who do not know, um, animal cruelty is kind of the, one of the triangle points or like the trifecta of what makes someone like a serial killer or a narcissist or something like that. Bad wedding tends to be one of them. They set fires to things and they torture or kill small animals. Bad wedding, really? Mm-hmm. 
bedwetting into their teenage that. years. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. when you're like trying to potty train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like um, in some places, they will swap out the bedwetting with a major head injury. So depending on the person, the trifecta will look like a head injury, arson. They like to set fires. Um, and they torture small animals for some people. Bedwetting and bedwetting. If you do notice that your older um, child is bedwetting, there might be something wrong that does kind of sometimes signal uh, sexual abuse. So, which a lot of these people claim to have. So, side note. Um, so, with him about to get arrested for animal abuse, him and his three friends make their way to Heather in Florida. Because during this time, Heather was making the comments that her parents were trying to hurt her. So he was believing that, like, she's under duress, if that makes any sense. Um, but as they drove further south, Rod's attitude just got completely worse. They did make a stop in New Orleans, as New Orleans is a very vampire-friendly city. Um, you know, everybody kind of lives in communities together, and they, um, the people in the vampire community actually kind of do a lot of volunteer work down there, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but on Monday... November 25th, they finally made it to their way to Essex, Florida. Um, the next day, the 26th, Heather would skip school so that they could go by razors and go to the local cemetery. This would be when Rod crosses over Heather. Um, Heather will claim in later testimonies that she never wanted her parents hurt. Um, they just wanted, she just wanted a plan to escape. Um, so depending on what story you believe, we'll kind of go into both here. Um, but Rod states that he went there to tie them up, rod them, rob them and rough them up a little. The friends state that the murder was always part of the plan. Um, so it doesn't really matter who you believe, but, uh, Rod and Howard, they would enter the residence through the garage. Rod would later pick up a crowbar through the garage. Now, the poor victims in this. Richard Wendorf, Wendorf, he was a 49-year-old um, metal manufacturing plant manager, and he was asleep on the couch. When Rod attacked him, he hit him in the face, neck, and chest over 20 times, breaking several bones in his body. Um, but he was literally beaten into his couch. Um... After about 20 minutes, he succumbed to his injuries. Uh, They would later burn a V into his body. Um, And then around the V, there were like four or five small dots. So the V represented Rod and the dots around the V represented everybody in his clan. His wife, Ruth, um, she was a 54-year-old stay-at-home mom. She loved to craft and garden and take care of her little chickens. She was actually in the shower while they were beating Rod. And when she came out and she heard all this noise, um, she armed herself with a hot cup of coffee. Um, Obviously in her robe. She's got a robe on. A hot cup of coffee. Um, She poured the liquid all over 
uh, Rod burning him in several places and she managed to scratch his face with his fingernails. Um, Rod would later state that she, he was never planning on hurting her, but her behavior is what sent him into killing her. So her pouring like the coffee on him and stuff is what sent him to kill her. Um, she was also beaten to death with a crowbar that Richard was um, beaten with. Anderson would later claim um, to police that he was never a part of anything. Um, Rod would later claim that he was an active accomplice who danced around um, Richard with him before they beat him. They like danced around the couch before they beat him. Um, they took a few possessions like their debit, their credit card, and their Explorer, and they ran. Um, Jennifer uh, Wendorf, which is Heather's little sister, or older sister, she was the one that found them. She came home from her cashier job and she found her parents. That'd be a horrible way to find your parents. Um, the only thing that she noticed was that the Explorer and Heather were missing. Um, so Rod and everybody started making their way to Louisiana. They burned their clothes and they threw, they believe they threw the crowbar in the Mississippi River. Um, Heather did learn along the way that they did kill her parents um, and she would later state that she stayed with the group out of fear. Um, Charity Kesey, she um, she actually called her grandmother, and that's how they found them. Um, they tricked them into going to a specific motel, and the police were waiting for them. Um, when they got to the motel, they were taken into custody, and then they were separated. Um, but they had to get through some legal stuff first. Um, this in, in the state of Louisiana, you do need a parent or guardian with you if you are questioned by the police and you are under the age of 18. However, these crimes occurred in Florida. Florida is lawless for those who are listening and don't know. Florida is lawless. And Florida does not require you to have a guardian. So, um, they first talked to Rod. And he kind of did start to talk and he basically told him everything that he was the guardian of this Kentucky vampire clan. He's first introduced to this by his grandfather who he witnessed sacrifice something. Didn't really say what at the age of six. Um, his grandfather did later deny these claims in court. So take that with what you will. Um, Rod would also say in a later 199 appeal that his confessions were tainted as he was sleep deprived teen who wanted to see his pregnant girlfriend charity um but they were all extradited back to florida for their trials howard anderson dana cooper and charity um kesey were all indicted on first degree murder armed robbery and armed burglary uh, rod was just charged with first degree murder ironically heather would just be released from the juvenile detention center for her involvement um she never gets charged in this um but it would later be revealed in the unsealed act of David that Heather did ask Jennifer if she ever thought about killing her parents. And if she did, if she did, that Rod would be the perfect person to do the job. Um, but because this is kind of like a media circus, this case stays in the spotlight for many years. Um, because Rod was a showman at his trial, he would stick his tongue out. He would kiss the glass um, he would boast to guards that they were too stupid from preventing him from escaping and taking hostages. Um, it, yeah, 
he's a he's so weird like he would like hang there's a picture that i found online where he would hang in his cell upside down like a bat and like him and howard would like gnaw at the bars in the jail that's disgusting get your fucking mouth off that um so in other words it's all show yep yeah um howard was kind of seen as a celebrity when he first got to the jail um he would like sit like a gargoyle and stuff like that and not at the bars, but the other inmates kind of got tired of his shit. So they just started pouring like cold water on him and just like, honestly started fucking with him. Um, Charity and another woman, uh, they caught her and them, they caught them um, licking and kissing blood out of cuts that they inflicted with razor blades. Sandra Rod's mother would later be arrested for sending uh, lured, letters to 14 year old um that she wanted to cross her over um but just as the trial was about to begin rod and and everyone shocks everybody when he does um plead guilty to these crimes and he pleads guilty so all that they had to determine was his punishment um which he receives the death penalty for these crimes for the murders. Um, during the proceedings, they established that Rod was under mental duress as he had taken up to eight hits of LSD that day. Eight. Who yep, the fuck does that? That will definitely, that will definitely <laughs> fuck you up massively. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Um, Two defense psychologists would testify that Rod um, was from a extremely dysfunctional family and that he had schizotal, um, basic, I don't know how to pronounce that, personality disorder, um, schizotopal personality disorder. This leads to odd or eccentric behavior, the inability to cultivate close relationships and difficulty understanding how personal behavior might affect others. So they kind of think this is where he gets his whole vampire thing from. Um, and because of his extremely dysfunctional family, he had a lifetime of pent-up rage. He also confused fantasy with reality. He couldn't differentiate the games he was playing from his reality. Um, he did not show any remorse for the killings um, during his trial. Um, he would later claim to like the Sentinel and other newspapers later that he thought he was framed by a rival vampire clan and that he had multiple personalities. Um, but the jury did find him unanimous, did find um, him unanimous and they found him, uh, they gave him the death penalty. Um, at the age of 17, he became the youngest person in Florida to be sentenced to old Sparky, which is the name of the electric chair. Um, however, Old Sparky would retire in form of lethal, in favor of lethal injection. Um, inmates still can request the electric chair if they want to. Um, Circuit Judge Jerry Lockett would say that his mother should also be facing murder charges alongside him. Um, and also ask state prosecutors to convene a second grand jury after new evidence against Heather emerged, the act of David between her sister and her. Um, he would state when he was sentencing Rod that he was a very disturbed man um, and that society failed him. Rod honestly doesn't mind being on death row. He 
romantically um, reflected on his future execution. It was a dream of his to die by the electric chair. Um, he has been fantasizing about his own death since the age of nine. Um, Howard took a plea deal for two life sentences without parole. Sorry, I'm trying to see if he's actually still alive. Now that I think about that. Yeah, he is still alive. Um, Dana Cooper pled guilty to third degree murder, armed robbery, and armed burglary. She was sentenced to um, 18 years in prison. Charity also took a deal and was sentenced to 11 years in prison. Um, no one involved ever went to trial. They just pled guilty and got it over with. Um, in December of 98, a second grand jury, um, was held to decide if Heather would be charged. Um, everyone's kind of convinced that she's somehow involved. Um, but she was cleared a second time. Um, Rod and his family claim that Heather ordered the murders, but I guess this kind of comes back to like a social thing. He kind of came from a lower family, not very well off. She was upper to middle class, white girl, you know. So there's there's kind of like an undercurrent social thing that they think is kind of going on. Um, but, however, in 2000, um, Florida redid their death sentence laws for capital punishment. Um, so he's... You cannot be sentenced to capital punishment, which is what the death penalty is considered. Um, if you are, you have to be 17 or older when you commit the crime in Florida. And he was 16, 15 or 16 at the time. So in 2000, they committed, uh, commuted his death sentence to life in prison without the ever getting out. Um, there are two movies that you can watch about this. The uh, Kentucky Teenage Vampires and the more recent one called The Vampire Clan. But that is The Vampire Clan. It's a long one. I wanted to make sure I got everything. Yep. I think you're good. Uh, <laughs> well, that's... Uh, I don't even know what to say about all that. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't remember this actually happening, but, like, I remember kind of, like, when he was up for parole and stuff, his picture, like, popping up. Because my dad uh, would watch, my dad does the 24-hour news cycle, so, like, CNN is always on. So I remember, like, seeing his picture and stuff. Gotcha. And it's interesting that, like, at the age of, like, 16 you believe that you're a vampire and for most people that don't know your brain does not fully form and develop till you are 26 so yeah i think that's a recent thing too like that wasn't known until recently yeah, yeah. so i'm not saying you can hold him responsible for his actions but you have to think of his brain isn't fully formed and won't yeah. ever like, and it's it comes down to nature versus nurture. He did not come from a very good environment, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what are we doing next week? Are we got we are going to be doing May Day. We're going to be doing Bell Team. 
Yep. So, um, so that will come out before the holiday. Yes. Yeah, that will be coming out um, two weeks before the holiday because May Day happens the first day of May. So we wanted to get that out before the holiday for you guys. Because um, that's, that's a major holiday. I like that holiday kind of because it's around my birthday. <laughs> so I turned the big 3-0 this year. My God. Woohoo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's I think I'm getting my memorial tattoo for my grandma that week too. I'm getting, I told my grandpa I'm coming over. Um, I don't, I haven't shared this before, but like my grandma and I would cook all the time and she has this brown recipe box. And I, weirdly, my grandma was making us claim things like five years before she passed. She would look at me and be like, Kelsey, Whatever you want, just let me know, and I'll put your name on it. <laughs> I go, okay, Grandma. Well, I just want that box. <laughs> like, that's it. That's all I want is that box. So I think I'm going to go get my um, grandma's memorial tattoo. My when, um, when my dad saw her for the last time, he had the coroner do a footprint. So. Gotcha. Because I want that healed before I get married. <laughs> that way anybody's going to see it. But <laughs> I want that healed before that. So, yeah. But yeah. But where can so everyone find May Day? We are on Facebook and Instagram as the Wayward Dragons. Our Twitter is backwards. So it is Dragons Wayward. Like at Dragons Wayward. Um, still trying to figure out Twitter. But I do post pictures for the episode on Instagram and Facebook. So some people need a visual of who or what we're talking about. So I will post some pictures of um, Rod and uh, Heather at their trials and stuff. I might also post my shelf thing that I put up too. You so, should. That's pretty I cool. A, I bought a um, crystal shelf, I guess, because I like crystals. And I bought some a lot while I was out in the desert. And I made my fiance put it up in the window because I have a um I have a cat hammock that my cats never laid in. So I would just like lay my crystals in the cat hammock <laughs> to like have them out in the moon and stuff. So I was finally like, I can't keep doing this. I'm gonna buy a shelf. So I bought this really pretty like mountain type thing that goes with our wall right there. So I'll post that too. Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, if you have a topic that you think we will we should cover, um, or like a cryptid or a, a cult true crime story that you think I should dive into, you can email us at thewaywarddragons at gmail.com. But yeah, tell your friends, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your enemies. I was like, tell everybody. Please. I know this is kind of a Debbie Downer episode. I'm sorry. But I love true crime. And I thought, why not? Why well, it's not? a popular topic, so. Yeah, uh, well, I guess... and I. Huh. Oh, go ahead. It's not a story that's covered a lot. I feel like a lot of people do Jim Jones 
and like the Manson family. You don't get like the little small little ones like everyone does like Heaven's Gate and stuff like that. Everyone knows those and you gotta get gotta find that small one in there. Right. So it is well, a popular topic now. Which I find yeah. hilarious. Because I've been like this my whole life. Like I've I've watched I remember watching Dateline with my grandma at like six. Like that was just part of the news. Like my right. grandma had like shows she would watch it. <laughs> we watched the news at five, you know, the nightly news, Wheel of Fortune, and then all that stuff. So it's just it's just what I grew up with. This is just what I'm interested in and everyone's like, Oh, you like true crime too? And I'm like, I've been like this forever. Where the fuck have you been? Like <laughs> Yeah. It's just popular now because of COVID. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't have anything better to do. Thank you. <gasps> but well, yeah. Until next time, I'm Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. Bye. And we'll see you later. Bye.